Storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the world. With Jessica and Georgia and all their friends. You never know how the story's gonna end. Storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the world. Welcome to the third episode of Storytelling Saves the World, a podcast where you can find out more about integrating student movie making into your classroom. I'm one of your hosts, Georgia Cherlahi. I'm here with my fabulous storytelling partner in crime, Jessica Pack. Hi, Georgia. I am so excited to be back for another episode today. This has been a super fun adventure so far. You are a great partner in crime, and for new listeners, you're going to love it because Georgia and I bring a range of experiences to the show. That's right. I have 31 years of classroom experience at the elementary level, and I'm currently an instructional coach. Elementary kids are absolutely terrifying to me, so I have been teaching middle school for the last 15 years. I'm also a California Teacher of the Year, and we've both been using digital storytelling in our classrooms for more than a decade. In this episode, we'll be talking about the story aspect of movie making. Where do stories come from, and why are they important? This is a topic that I'm really excited to delve into because if I'm being totally honest, story was not always a focus of instruction when working on digital storytelling projects. Like in the beginning, it was kind of like, here's a camera, go film some stuff, have fun, and maybe we could make a cohesive like sentence or two that goes with it. And sometimes not. Sometimes it just looked like a collage of things thrown together that the kids were real excited about, but it really didn't tell the story in any way. And then you kind of get into, like, Reportville, where it's, yeah. like, giving just the facts, ma'am. And <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly, like, dragnet. super bad episode <laughs> of, like, classic Nickelodeon TV. So, right. yeah. So I'm really excited because I, I think for my kiddos, when we started actually caring about the story that we we're telling, that's when their re- work really started changing and reflecting their voice a lot more. And I don't think that happens by accident. We have to intentionally plan it, and we have to understand how story works and why it's so important in order to even care enough to invest that level of time and effort. Right. So without further ado, let's welcome our colleague from Digicom Learning, Alex Cruz. Alex, will you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. My name is Alex Cruz. Uh, I actually just recently started working at Digicom since April, so I'm still a new guy, so be nice to me. Uh, A little bit about myself. I worked in the L.A. film industry for a little over eight years, probably almost nine years. Uh, And in that time, I did everything from cinematography to uh, writing and development and uh, content strategy. So uh, I've seen pretty much every part of the process. Uh, I've worked virtually every position at some point uh, that one can work in the industry and so I'm very familiar with the process Uh, but personally I have always been drawn towards the story element Uh, I consider writing to be my strongest asset so uh, with that you know I'm here uh, now with Digicom to try and pass that on to you guys and hopefully you know maybe give some uh, uh, cool insights or some uh, hints into bringing out more story in your projects. Very cool. Alex and I have been teaching beginning digital storytelling to teachers in several several districts in the Coachella Valley. Our first class we co-taught, Alex gave this wonderful presentation on why story. It was so good that we knew we had to have him on the podcast to share the story of stories. So, Alex, tell us about stories. All right. So, first of all, a disclaimer, this is just me being a nerd, so you're going to have to stomach that for a little bit. Uh, okay, so... <clears throat> 
why story. Uh, so uh, part of this presentation that I give uh, was inspired by the discovery of a cave in South France that had handprints uh, from uh, human beings uh, from 42,000 years ago. Uh, and upon discovering that, they found that, or basically they, they guessed, because we can't go back 42,000 years, that these handprints were used to track generations of people uh, through these caves and basically give a hint at their existence at some point having been there. So uh, why story? Well, so 42,000 years ago, uh, people were making these handprints. And before I get into the rest, I want you to understand just how far back that actually is. So, Because that is a long time. It is It is a, a long super time. long time. And I would know because I teach history. Yeah. <laughs> so I am with you, Alex. Walk us back in time. All right. So going back in time. And uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, maybe close your eyes. Unless you're driving, don't Bad close your idea. eyes if you're Bad driving. Bad idea. But no, otherwise, disclaimer. <laughs> but otherwise, humor me and, and close your eyes and just imagine this for a second. So I want you to imagine everything that has incurred in history between you and the existence of Julius Caesar. Now, that's a lot of stuff. It's probably most of the history that you're familiar with has happened between those two points in time. Now what I want you to do is I actually want you to more than double that. And we have the building of the Great Pyramids in Egypt. So just to put that in context... Uh, the pure uh, Julius Caesar actually lives closer to you right now than he does to the building of the pyramids in Egypt. So I want you to take the time between you and the pyramids now, and I want you to, to quadruple that. And we have the first settlements uh, in Mesopotamia, the first uh, recorded remnants of human civilization, of agriculture, and things like that. And then I want you to take that, and I want you to quadruple it again. And now we're at the handprints in the cave wow. of South France. So that's, that's a, a way time. long time ago. No Starbucks, <laughs> no Amazon, no internet. So uh, basically what happened is 42,000 years ago, some individual for a reason completely unknown had this incredible idea of rubbing red dust carved from the stone of the cave, a uh, kind of clay, uh, and then they would rub that all over their hands and then they would push it against the wall. And the only discernible reason for them doing this is so that people in the future, people who they would never meet, would know that at some point they existed. And that is what we feel is the origin of story. Uh, and so what I like to tell people is that when you have been doing something for 42,000 years, it's not just a part of your culture. It's not just entertainment. It's a part of who we are as a species at that point. Uh, so wrapping that back into education, uh, you know, for tens of thousands of years, story and education were the exact same thing. Uh, if you had any inkling of wisdom or lessons that you wanted to pass down through generations, you would put it in the form of a story. Most of these, uh, you know, took on oral narratives and eventually they would be written down. Uh, but story and education were the exact same thing for a long time. And so over the period of 42,000 years, I mean, you have uh, genetic evolution through that time period where story has been wired into our brains. We respond to it in ways that we don't other abstract materials. You know, you, uh, you empathize uh, with stories. You can feel them. You can visualize them when you read a book. Our brains are wired to absorb information this way because it has been done for so long. 
Uh, and there's actually a lot of science behind this, uh, some complicated chemical names. Oxytocin uh, is what's known as the love hormone uh, by some people, but basically what oxytocin does um, is it opens you up to other people, both at an emotional level and at an intellectual level, able to absorb and listen to new ideas. Oxytocin is one of the chemicals that's released in our brain when we're interacted and engaged with a story. The other one is cortisol, uh, which is a type of stress hormone uh, <clears throat> which isn't as bad as it sounds. What it actually is, it's the thing that makes us alert and receptive to information in our environment. Can, I, can we go back to the oxytocin? Is that oxytocin, yeah. Oxytocin. So it was just making me think, you were talking about how that connects us, you know, to people. So you think about, like, these stories and going back 42,000 years, how crazy, and you know, as a history teacher, mm -hmm. that when you tell it as a story, that you're connected to these ancient civilizations that we don't have you know we're not physically a part of but we connect to their story as humans that like gives me like goosebumps it's like what makes you care like we're yeah. basically activating the limbic system and it's getting you interested on a level that's like a heart level that's like brain magic that's not just right. these are words on a page that i need to remember for some reason or, yeah but now we're thinking about the person in the cave like why did mm -hmm. they decide to do that and you know, what are the impacts as the generation saw these hands on the cave and as the stories go? So I'm sorry, right. I didn't mean to digress, but that was like, that's really cool to think about. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, that's gonna be, I think, forever one of the great mysteries is when do we go from purely surviving, just, you know, hunting and gathering and taking shelter when there's a storm and living day by day until we die, you know, breeding, etc. When do we go from that to, I want people to know that I was here? what sparked that idea in people and that's something that we'll never know but i think it's also in a in a cool way it's kind of cool that we'll never know right. really what that is you know it leaves it up to you on why that would happen and why that's important we're basically talking about prehistoric bathroom art like right. you know Graffiti. so and so yeah. was here right yeah, so <laughs> next time you walk into a bathroom and you see things scribbled on the wall know that that's where we started that it's, it's the same connected to forty-two thousand years ago yeah. <laughs> i love it just about time honored tradition right of bathroom right. scrawl <laughs> marked into sharpies but yeah <laughs> so where do we go with story from there uh so from there uh i think really uh what it comes down to is story uh, kind of fell out of favor with education, um, you know, for a number of reasons. First of all, most stories were fables that were passed down through generations and, you know, became turned and, and twisted to make them cooler or more entertaining or more befitted to the culture that was telling them. Uh, and with the adoption of things like the, the scientific method, people became really obsessed with what's true, uh, you know, what can be tried and tested and what is fact. Uh, and it's not that that's a bad thing, that's a great thing. Most of you know, what we enjoy today is based on that evolution. Uh, but I do think that there's room to bring story back into the equation where truth is not necessarily just in facts, but there is a truth in the human condition you know, that people respond to uh, with this information. So, Because you can have all the information in the world, but if you don't know how it applies or what it or means. Or how you connect to it on a human level. Exactly. Because on a fact level, it's just on the page, but on a human level, that's a, it's a whole different level of connection. Exactly, and that's why like, you can learn every fact about Abraham Lincoln, but then when you watch a movie like Lincoln, it means more to you. Like, why is that? Like, the facts by themselves can be interesting, but they need to be given meaning. But they need context. Or context, yeah. 
Well, and I think, like, there are some people, like myself, who are naturally attracted to history, and they're kind of geeky about it, and they, they care about the facts just because it's neato. Oh, I'm with you on um, that. <laughs> but, like, when we're talking about the vast majority of our kids, I mean, they're not, like, super stoked just to learn about some old dudes. That's uh-uh. not... You know, that's not necessarily something that appeals to every kid. Or if we're looking at math, like, there are some kids who could geek out, like, day upon day upon day, mm-hmm. just having conversations about, theoretically, what are all the ways we could solve this problem. But it doesn't mean every kid's jazzed by it. But I think every kid could be connected, from what you're talking about, with just, like, the human element of the story of the knowledge. That's really cool. Definitely, like, when I am learning new things about history... Like, I put it in the context of other things that I knew happened in history, and, you know, I read it as humanity's story. I don't read it just as a bullet point list of facts. Uh, Even though I'm drawn to facts in the first place, even for me to care, I have to put it in this larger context, you know, for it to stand out. And I think that's what Jessica's saying, like, for the kids, too, is that when you put it in the context of story, and like you've said, it's really in their DNA to Mm -hmm. connect with story, that once that's done... They, they maybe are more connected to the content you're teaching mm-hmm. because now it's a story and it's like, okay, I know it was this old dude, but he did some or she did some really cool things that she had to or he had to overcome to achieve this. And then it's personal. Even though they're not here, it's personal. Yeah. Well, and that's been a huge conversation in education is just this idea of personalized learning, um, an individual approach to problem solving, inquiry, and wondering why. And that sounds like a lot of what we're talking about. So educationally, especially on, I'm going to think about the Twitter sphere and all of my edutweeps out there, like it's totally been an ongoing conversation. How do we engage kids on a level that is personal to themselves? Because learning by itself, like out of context, I mean, you're, there's a few kids, sure. Right, it's, but, but it's, it's a narrow margin be. of kids that are going to connect on that way. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just to you know, shamelessly plug it in here, I think that is where digital storytelling can play a key role in education is, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, that, that video is the, the pinnacle of all mediums. I mean, everyone has a favorite art form or whatever, but uh, video itself is kind of the modern uh, medium. It's the modern literature. It's what everyone engages with on a daily basis. Uh, and so it immediately makes whatever you're doing just a little bit more relevant, you know, to the students that you're teaching just because they, they see these YouTube videos every day and, you know, it seems like magic, but when you take it and you show them how to do it themselves. Uh, they know. like that. They like that, like looking behind the curtain, like Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, like you, like you mentioned, I'd seen kids last year. You know, they watch all these vid- YouTube videos, and then when they go to create their own, they have no idea. They think that those things are created on a seamless, like there's not multiple takes, that there's not editing, that it all just happens. And then when they create their own, they're like, oh, this is much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> It's both harder and easier, I think, is the surprise. Because once you take away the magic and there's a system, like, it it looks easier. But then when they want to make it better than their first project, then they'll find, like, oh, yeah, this is actually, it's a skill. It's an art form. You have to. And and planning stuff out may be a good thing because I'm going to have a better product when I'm finished, which Mm -hmm. goes back to story is I really, that is the nugget of what I think what everything emanates from. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think we're also starting to talk about having authentic audiences because, you know, a story is only worth telling, essentially, if it's going to impact other people. 
So, I mean, this idea that kids are watching each other's stories on social media and stories from all around the world, that's definitely, like, our new definition of parallel play. Like, mm -hmm. kids used to sit together and play blocks next to each other, but now when I watch my ASB leadership kids, oh, my gosh, if we are between tasks, it's like everybody's on their phone sitting next to each other consuming media and sharing the things that connect with them with the people close by. So, Alex, I know that a huge part of your job description with Digicom is actually going into classrooms and co-teaching with teachers to be able to help kids bring their stories to life. So mm -hmm. where do you start this discussion with kids? Well, from the developing a project stage, uh, usually I come in and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Teacher might have several ideas of projects that they want to do. They might have no idea what they want to do. Uh, but either way, kind of the, the first question is always pretty much the same. Once we get past the variables of how much time do you have and the boring stuff like that. Uh, the next part that we talk about is, you know, what's going to be your subject. So whether it's history or science or whatever, what are you learning about right now? Uh, and so let's take a history example because it's a little easier for me anyways because, <laughs> you know, that's my thing. Uh, but, you know, so if you're learning about you know, say Julius Caesar, uh, one of the things that I always like to pitch is, okay, so you have the era of Rome uh, and you're trying to teach that element. Uh, <clears throat> so what perspective do you want to take in your projects? Because the, the easy answer a lot of the time is just to go straight documentary. You know, you have a sequence of events, you like explain them. Like the report them. thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's essentially just a, mm -hmm. you know, written report in video Regurgitation format. Regurgitation of facts. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the easy go-to because it's straightforward. You don't have to explain very much, you know, and you kind of know what to expect at the end of the day. So uh, usually ideas tend to start there. Uh, at least for new teachers who are kind of just getting into the medium. So what I would usually do from there is I'll, I'll encourage them to look at it from alternate perspectives. You know, you could easily do things like, uh, for example, one of, the, one of the biggest things about Julius Caesar is that he took uh, empirical power uh, away from the Senate uh, and then he didn't give it back. So that was like his big moment, and that's how he changed the face of Rome forever. Uh, and so you can have videos that are kind of like, imagine uh, the amount of political upset between uh, the senators and the upper class and the, uh, the, the lower class and, and mid-class citizens. Uh, they both have very different perspectives. So imagine trying to create like an ad campaign, you know, both for and against Julius Caesar in this period, you could have like a, a weirdly political commercial about Julius Caesar and have people kind of debate it on those two fronts. But uh, that's an awesome, you know, just thinking of like DOK levels for doing that yeah. and synthesizing not only the historical information, but also argument and persuasion and putting all of that. I think that's another reason I've always loved the digital storytelling aspect because you can take that and you just layer so many things on it. Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, beyond writing your regurgitation of fact report. Well, and you, there's so much room for interdisciplinary cooperation between the subject areas because what if you turn it into a poem of two voices and you're studying poetry and you start using poetic devices? Like, there's so many different great directions to go in just because you happen to say, what if we start looking at it from different points of views historically? So I think that's a really great key for the audience. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, I think that's really all it is. Is like so, you know, the facts that I already listed were Julius Caesar's rise to power and how that happened. 
but then you encourage them to interpret it through these alternative lenses and through that they not only have to know the information but then they have to uh, reform it into something new an original idea that they are putting forth we definitely would want to have you back to continue this conversation. Yeah, I'd love to be back. So uh, we need to go to our five and 60. We're going to go back and forth asking you some rapid fire questions. Okay. You are answering as yourself. Oh, I'm nervous. Okay. Uh, and uh, Jessica's going to time us. I am. Okay, I'm going to put the timer so Alex can see it because pressure, uh, no oh, pressure, go, pressure yeah. though. All Just right. Every layer. Are you ready? All right, ready, set, First go. question. What kind of drink do you order at the bar after a storytelling project has gone wrong? Uh, red wine. Coke or Pepsi and iMovie or Wii video? Uh, Pepsi, uh, oh my god, people get hit me for that. And then I would do, it, it depends. If I'm shooting my own project, iMovie. If I'm trying to work off of more like essentials library stuff, obviously Wii video. What's the craziest production request a student has ever made? Uh, can I use a drone? And they didn't have access to a drone either. They were asking me if I could use <laughs> Can I use a drone and will you supply one? Exactly. <laughs> What's your classroom mantra when it's crazy and it looks like a hot mess? Uh, I, I just look at the teacher and I say, please. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> Last question. What do you say most often during the storytelling process? Uh, excuse me, guys. <laughs> girls. <laughs> You are so polite. So <laughs> polite. Yes, you yeah. learn you have to be almost like a coach to yeah. like get them, you know, whistle, yeah. give, give me a few years and I'll adopt more Yo, of the teacher-style mantras. Yeah, right? And there's a little bit of Jack Black in everybody, I think, uh -huh. from School of Rock. Even though he's supposed to be the, like, anti-teacher, a little bit of him goes a long way. It, it really does. It yes. really does. All right, so it's time. All right. Full disclosure... Um, Alex is completely responsible for my storymatic obsession. Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> I have beginning. I got end. And I have middle. So for listeners, Georgia is going to start the story. I'm going to put the bit in the middle and Alex is going to bring it home. I like the bits in the middle. <laughs> Our prompts are a person with a very poor memory and a parade. All right. Awesome. You really have a way of picking some great cards there, Georgia. <laughs> I'm glad I got the end. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Are you ready? I think Time so. Time ready. I think I'm ready. Okay. Go. Joe, what what are we doing here? I, I don't understand. We have, like, our chairs. We're sitting in the street. I, I Why are we here? And who are these people in these strange get-ups? Did you, seriously, are we near a mental hospital right now? Are we in one? We're in one, aren't we? Is this about what happened last week? Actually, I don't think I even, where, wait, where are we again? Was it last week? I'm not sure. Oh my God, a horse. What is a horse doing in here? Of course there's a horse. You're a horse, I'm a horse. This is actually a herd of horses. It has been the whole time. Charlie, eat your carrots and shut up. We need to get back to the ranch. Oh my god. I think you just like, you either inceptioned us or mementoed us. I'm not really sure what that was about, but I am utterly convinced that I have hooves. Thank you for that, Thank Alex. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I did my best. You brought it, for sure. 
Well, thanks everybody for joining us for Storytelling Saves the World, which has been brought to you by Digicom Learning. You can visit them at digicomlearning.org or follow Digicom Learning on Facebook or Instagram. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please subscribe on iTunes and or SoundCloud. And if you please give us a review, our show notes can be found on our website, storytellingsavestheworld.com. Some of our upcoming topics will include classroom management for film projects and storytelling in science. If you, listeners, have any idea for a podcast that relates to digital storytelling, because we're not doing a cooking show, please email us via the contact form on our website. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that's storytellingsavestheworld.com. Until next time, what's your story? 